Hey there, everyone. It's Greg again with another edition of See It or Shove It. I'm here this week to give you my thoughts on the latest movies playing in theaters and streaming on your TV. Also this week, Be Kind Rewind looks at the film you voted for, and there's another edition of Binge It or Singe It. For our featured movies this week, two brothers travel to another world and face an evil villain in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Tony Collette learns to run the mob in Mafia Mama. And the early development of an iconic video game causes an international conflict in Tetris. First up, when two brothers get sucked down a porthole, they are taken to a magical land. This is the Super Mario Brothers movie. Together, we are going to stop that monster. How? Look at us. We're adorable. Oh, I got this. No problem. Yes! Come on, Mario! Our big adventure begins now! Ah! Get it off, get it off, get it off! There's a huge universe out there. With a lot of galaxies. They're all counting on us. The film opens with the famous brothers Mario and Luigi, voiced by Chris Pratt and Charlie Day, as they are celebrating the premiere of the television commercial for their new plumbing business. After a disastrous job fixing a drip in a couple's apartment, the brothers are determined to help the city fix a water main break. While exploring the underground piping system, the two are sucked into one porthole and are transported to the Mushroom Kingdom right at the time that Bowser, voiced by Jack Black, is threatening to take over and force Princess Peach, voiced by Anya Taylor-Joy, into marrying him. In possession of the superstar, as well as Luigi, who got sucked down a different path than Mario, Bowser is ready to rule the world. Mario and Peach eventually join forces with Donkey Kong, voiced by Seth Rogen, and they go on an adventure to find his brother. When I saw the trailer for this, I thought it would be a see-it, And I give this film a... See it. I saw this film twice this past weekend. The first time, I thought it was cute. Nothing really revolutionary in terms of animation, but it was fun, quick, and had a lot of Easter eggs in it that would appeal to fans. The second time I went to see it, I saw it in 4DX. You know, that's the theater where it has motion seats and all the special effects that add to and enhance your experience. And that made the film even more enjoyable because it kind of felt like you were in it with the seats bouncing up and down when they were running on the blocks and driving on the rainbow road in the cars or sliding back and forth. So if that is something that sounds appealing to you and you have the option to see the movie like that, I would recommend it in that format. It was fun. If you have little kids, then they're going to love this movie. If you're a fan of the Mario games, you're going to love this movie. And it's really a fun time. But is it something that I'm going to remember at the end of the year as one of the best? Probably not, but it was enjoyable for what it was, and I recommend it. And if you're a fan of the game, stay until the very end for the post credit scene. I think you'll enjoy it. Next, when a woman discovers her estranged grandfather has died, she is left with much more than she ever imagined. This is Mafia Mama. My dying wish is that you be the new boss of the Balbano family. 
I've got a lot going on at home. My son just went to college and my husband just cheated on me. You want me to take care of him? No! No. No, no, no. We need someone who's level-headed, unassuming, and empathetic. Did you just call me pathetic? Starring Academy Award-nominated actress Toni Collette, this film opens with her character, Kristen Jordan, living a pretty depressing life. Her son is going off to college, her job keeps disregarding her ideas in favor of her male colleagues' suggestions, and, to top things off, she walks in on her deadbeat husband fucking his son's guidance counselor. Out of the blue, she receives a call from a mysterious woman named Bianca, played by Monica Bellucci who tells her that her grandfather has passed away and she is needed in Italy to settle his affairs. She figures, with everything going to hell at home, that maybe this is the perfect time for an adventure in the spirit of eat, pray, love. However, after arriving in Italy, she is shocked to learn that her grandfather was the head of the Balbano crime family, and his dying wish was that she succeed him as a mafia mama. Can Kristen grow accustomed to this lifestyle, or will her vacation turn into eat, pray, die? When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a see it, and I give this film a... See it! This film was Regal Theater's Monday Mystery Movie last week, and I really enjoyed it. It is pretty lightweight, but Colette is as charming as ever, and there are several scenes that had me laughing out loud. It is a typical fish-out-of-water story, and you kind of know where it's going to go, but I don't know, I just enjoyed it. So much so that I may go back and see it again. I like seeing the evolution of her character as she went from being a pushover to a strong, confident woman who could run a family crime business. And the supporting cast all had their moments of charm as well. So if you're looking for a nice little comedy to see, this one might be up your alley. Finally, when a computer software designer gets the opportunity of a lifetime, it turns into a fight for his life. This is Tetris. This game isn't just addictive, it stays with you. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Hank, only 10 other people in the world have seen what you're about to see. It's called the Game Boy. Package it with Tetris. Can you get us the rights? The Soviet Union had worldwide rights. Nothing gets out easily. I'm going to go to Moscow. You're walking into a country that still considers America enemy numero uno. Okie dokie. Taryn Edgerton stars as Hank Rogers, the founder of a company called Bulletproof Software. While attending a gaming convention in Japan, he stumbles across a game called Tetris. Other than in Japan, the game had yet to be released around the world, and Rogers swoops in to try to secure a portion of the rights. But in order to do this, he has to learn to play hardball with rich and powerful executives and politicians. He schemes his way into Nintendo headquarters and bets everything he and his family has to try to sell Tetris so that it can be bundled with the company's upcoming device, the Game Boy. The mission sends him to the Soviet Union, where he runs into the man who invented the game, Alexei Pajitnov, played by Nikita Yefremov, and he is determined to make sure the inventor gets a piece of the financial pie, even though that's forbidden in Russia. Can Roger secure the deal and get out of Russia before the villainous businessman and the KGB catches him? 
I give this film a... See it! This film is such a pleasant surprise. I had not seen a trailer or anything leading up to its release other than I knew that it was coming out. The film is a tight, suspenseful, spy-like thriller that I wasn't expecting. And I love movies like that, so I naturally enjoyed this one. Plus, it didn't hurt that Taron Edgerton starred in it, as I do enjoy him a lot. I found the pacing to be good, I enjoyed the little dabs of animation throughout it, and the suspense really had me on the edge of my seat throughout. If you like those types of films, you know, the ones that are based off of the books of John le Carré and Tom Clancy type of things, I think you're going to enjoy this one. It is showing on Apple TV+. That's all for this week's featured films. To recap, the Super Mario Brothers movie is in theaters now and is a see-it. And if you have the option to watch it in a motion theater like 4DX, you may enjoy it much more like I did. Mafia Mama opens in theaters this Friday and is a see-it. And Tetris is streaming on Apple TV Plus and is a see-it and is my pick of the week. Now, on to my brief take of some additional movies I've watched in my segment, Quick Picks. Chupa tells the story of a boy who spends a summer with his grandfather and cousins in Mexico and discovers a baby chupacabra hiding in his grandfather's shed. It stars Oscar nominee Damien Bashir and Christian Slater. It gave me second-rate E.T. vibes, but nevertheless, it was harmless family entertainment. I give it a mild see-it, and it is streaming on Netflix. Murder Mystery 2 brings Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler back together as Nick and Audrey Spitz, who are now running their own private detective agency. When a friend is abducted, they are placed smack in the middle of an international investigation. It was enjoyable enough, but still pretty forgettable. Based on the chemistry and comedic chops of the lead, though, I give this one a mild see it. It's a nice rainy day movie. It's also streaming on Netflix. Now it's time where I share where you can find some of the films I've enjoyed within the last year that are now available for home viewing. This is now streaming. The Persian language thriller Holy Spider, about a serial killer targeting prostitutes in Iran, was the Danish selection for Best International Film at this year's Oscars, and it is a real nail-biter. It is streaming on Netflix. And the cocaine bear is making her way to Peacock this coming Friday. It is a ludicrous but enjoyable satire that is fun to watch as long as your expectations aren't too high. You can hear my full review on episode 63. Now it's time for my segment where I look at films from the past. This is Be Kind, Rewind. Continuing my series where I take the 52-week movie challenge, this week's topic was a film based on a true story. The choices for you to vote on were Norma Ray, All the President's Men, Evita, Malcolm X, and Aaron Brockovich. You voted, and something strange happened. Those last four titles all tied, so I'm going to select the one I know the most about, and if you know me, you won't be surprised to hear that that film is Evita. Evita, 
Like last week's Be Kind Rewind film, Fame, Evita was directed by the late Alan Parker and stars Madonna as Ava Peron, Antonio Banderas as Che, and Jonathan Price as Juan Peron in a rock opera written by the legendary Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber. Evita tells the story of Eva Duarte de Peron, the wife of Argentinian President Juan Peron. Evita, as she is known by by her followers was born into poverty and had the desire to be famous. She left for Buenos Aires as a teen and became an actress who, it is implied, slept her way to success before one night meeting Colonel Juan Perón. The two eventually fell in love and she became a political firebrand as she was seen as having incredible power and influence over the decisions her husband made as president. Hmm, sound familiar? Her charity work was always aimed at helping the poor, which, when combined with her fierce reputation, stoked fear in both the military and the upper class. But that didn't stop the working class from having complete adoration for her. The film tells about her life and influence from her humble beginnings to her early death from uterine cancer at the age of 33. The film took a very long road to get to the screen. Starting as a musical in the late 1970s, including the 1979 Broadway version starring Patti Lapone in her Tony-winning performance, Evita was first considered for the big screen in 1981, with producer Robert Stigwood approaching Alan Parker to direct. But he had little interest in filming back-to-back musicals, having just finished fame. Eventually, it was sent into production but was sidetracked when director Ken Russell quit the film when he wasn't allowed to cast Liza Minnelli in the lead role. In 1986, Madonna began campaigning for the part and tried to get Francis Ford Coppola to direct, but was unsuccessful, even though Stigwood felt she was perfect for the part. In 1987, Oliver Stone was set to direct, and Madonna once again campaigned for the part and was seriously considered before requiring script approval and the ability to rewrite the score. She overplayed her hand. Instead, Meryl Streep was chosen to play the title role, but once again everything fell through due to riots in Argentina. After another few years of on-again, off-again with Oliver Stone and other actresses attached to the part, including Michelle Pfeiffer, the picture was finally headed into production with Parker as director and Antonio Banderas being the first to secure a role in the cast. Madonna sent Parker a four-page letter telling him why she was perfect for the part, and also sent him a copy of her Take a Bow video as sort of an audition. Knowing what she had previously demanded, Parker said he needed to know that she understood that, quote, the film is not a glorified Madonna video, I controlled it, and she didn't. Humbled, she was cast in the role. Lloyd Webber was wary of her vocal abilities for such an ambitious score, since, let's face it, Madonna has never been known for her vocal prowess. But she underwent intense vocal training and said she developed an upper register she never knew she had. Filming went on, but not without a hitch. Midway through production, Madonna discovered she was pregnant for her first child, and the production was met with protests when they arrived in Argentina. But eventually everything settled down and the film was released on Christmas Day, 1996. 
Evita was met with mixed reviews but praise for Banderas, Price, and especially Madonna, who up until that moment had been known as a terrible actress with flop after flop. She would later win the Golden Globe Award for Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy, but she failed to receive a nomination from the Academy at that year's Oscars, which surprised many, including me. Any other actress with a comparable performance would have received a nomination. But the film did end up getting five nominations and winning one for Best Original Song for You Must Love Me. Evita is available to rent across digital platforms, or you can just borrow my copy. Next week's Be Kind Rewind is a B-film. The choices that will be up for vote are the B-movie horror flicks Night of the Living Dead, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or The Evil Dead. Come to my Instagram at theatershoveit to vote for which film I should focus on, and the post with the most likes will be next week's segment. Now let's move on to Binge It or Singe It. When every teenage girl suddenly gains deadly powers, the world is on edge for their safety. This is Amazon Prime's The Power. Today we have a story that's going to change the world. This is in Nigeria. Electricity coming out of their hands. All teenage girls. Mom, I know someone can, like, aim it. How does yours work? Hey, hey! There was one girl I'd say it was a mutation. But it's hundreds and thousands. I'm a journalist. I want to tell your story. It's going to change things. What did you do? The world as we know it may never be the same. This sci-fi series, based on Naomi Alderman's novel of the same name, stars Tony Collette, John Leguizamo, Aloui Cravalho from Moana, and Tohib Jamo from Ted Lasso. Set in a world where every teenage girl starts developing the power to electrocute people at will, the girls learn that it is a trait that is hereditary. Their fingertips are the source for their power, and several of the girls struggle to keep that power harnessed, often attacking men who wrong them. The show centers around several storylines. The first involved Colette as Margot, the mayor of Seattle, whose daughter Joss, played by Cravalho, begins exhibiting these powers. Margot, along with her husband Rob, played by Leguizamo, must learn the truth behind the power before it is too late. The second storyline is about Tunde, played by Jamo, who is a Nigerian journalist who gets a big boost to his career when his coverage of the electrocutions become viral. The third storyline involves the daughter of a crime boss who aches for a greater role in the family business and can finally achieve that with her new sparks. The fourth storyline is Allie, a rebellious foster kid who uses her power to fight against the people who have abused her in the past. And finally, the fifth storyline is about Tatiana, a first lady of a dictatorship who is desperate to gain freedom from her controlling husband. As you can imagine, it's an awful lot to keep track of, and with four of the nine episodes having been released, things are starting to pick up. The first two episodes were confusing and scattered. I always say when you're going to juggle multiple storylines, you better make sure each of them is interesting, and so far, this show doesn't. Just when things start to get interesting, the storyline switches, and it can be multiple episodes before they return to the story, which is something I'm not enjoying. However, with the fourth episode gaining traction, I am cautiously optimistic that it will all somehow tie together and end on a satisfying note. 
But if the first few episodes are any indication, I may be left disappointed. So based on the initial episodes, I say this one is a singe it. If it ends satisfyingly, I will come back when the season ends and switch it to a binge it. New episodes premiere Fridays on Amazon Prime. So that's it for this episode of Theater Shove It. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. I'm grateful. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month. And while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV loving friends and family. And don't forget, you can drop me a line at theatershoveit at gmail.com and let me know if you have any ideas or suggestions. Follow me on Instagram at theatershoveit and rate me wherever you get your podcast. And look for me on Letterboxd at theatershoveit. Come back next week to hear my thoughts on the new releases, including the horror comedy Renfield and Russell Crowe battling demons in The Pope's Exorcist. I'll be back with you then. Have a great week, everyone. This episode of Theater Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida, and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music. All rights reserved.